Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Curious Cape Podcast. Uh, my name is Kolapo, and I'm your host. Uh, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, and if you're joining us for the first time, uh, Curious Cape Podcast is a show where I meet with amazing startup founders and everyone working to make entrepreneurship thrive in Africa uh, or anyone working just to drive impact on the continent. And uh, we've been doing this uh, for like 13 episodes now. Uh, this is our 14th episode. And I'm very excited to have uh, a very interesting entrepreneur on the show today. Uh, I think we met uh, maybe like 2015 or 2016 when I used to walk from Ikea home. And, um, and he's been building his amazing company from then to now. Uh, it goes by the name of Ahmed Mokoshi. Uh, is Nigerian, uh, but maybe during the course of the conversation, we'll explore his surname. Because to me, the first time <laughs> I saw it, I thought he was from India. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Ahmad is the founder and CTO of Pigalea. Uh, he's an entrepreneur. He's passionate about web technology and internet business. Uh, and interestingly, he got his first acquisition deal in 2007. And uh, He's currently building Gigalea. Uh, is a company that it believes is, uh, that believes in the future of Africa and the world wide web. And they've been relentlessly crafting platforms for web hosting, domain names, and everything in between. Thank you, Ahmed, for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much, Kolapo. It's a pleasure. Amazing. So how are you doing today? How is it going? Very well. It's a Sunday afternoon here in a uh, deserty area <laughs> Sokoto <laughs> but uh, oh you're actually in Sokoto now <laughs> yes wow yes amazing. yes um I'm in Sokoto and um the weather is kind of hot but uh, it's manageable um yeah all right amazing it's been raining in Lagos I mean you can't even <laughs> predict you don't even yeah, have it's to too opposite. To look at it it's at totally two opposite things yeah <laughs> I can't wait to get back to Lagos myself, you know, for the weather. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Uh, yeah, girl. Cool. All right. Yeah, so let's just get into it, Ahmad. Uh, you know, uh, you've been building Gigalia for so many years now. Uh, can you just give a background into the company, uh, when you started, how you started? And I would also like you to talk about... Uh, uh, the Lean Startup Methodology. I don't know if you can remember this. Uh, there was this event at Idea Hub back then. Yeah, and, I was a mentor, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. About <laughs> Lean Startup, how you were trying to build Giga. You did not even know you were using that approach. So it would be interesting for us just to learn about how you started Gigalia, what you're doing, your work so far. Yeah, thank you very much, Kolapo. It's an opportunity for me, really, to, to impact on the... Um, business uh, entrepreneurs setting up businesses and all that and especially the fact that you did mention about lean startup it's one of the things that really helped me and i'm happy that you do remember that i was actually implementing um lean startup methodology without knowing it existed you know um and for me it was an aha moment when i found it um and i then realized what i was doing and uh, how i'm going to do it better um i do recall when i started um I was just looking around for hosting service. Um, at the time, it was difficult because Nigeria didn't have uh, MasterCard or Visa. Um, Where was or, this? 
When was this? What year was this? This was sometime in 2005, 2006. Yeah. Amazing. So, so yeah, I was trying to register a domain name and get a hosting service for a project I was working on. And um, registering a domain was really a tough time. And I could remember that I had to pay um, someone to do a registration for me some time back. And then I got a domain name. And my domain name was taken away because um, I changed my profile to Nigeria and the company that was providing the domain service was not um, welcoming that. So since then, I was really having a tough time getting domain registrations for websites that I was building. In most cases, I was using um, free domain names and free extensions, and it wasn't good. I needed a .com, I needed a .org, and these are not free. I have to like kind of pay for them. And so I went to social media at that time. It was the only option I had was Naira Land. And um, I do remember going on there and finding out that a lot of people have that same problem. And I started reaching out to some of them via email. Um, and uh, I got some very positive response with that challenge. And I kept on researching on how um, being in Nigeria, you can register a domain and pay for it um, to external registrars. And... You did mention India, right? My name. <laughs> yeah. So um, I got an Indian company that was ready to support me um, if I could do um, 10 or 20 websites or something like that. And so I rallied up a number of people I contacted and they were ready to pay for, to pay for the service. And guess what happened? I just sent them my account number to pay. <laughs> wow. My own personal account number. There was no company. There was nothing. There was literally nothing, not even a website. So, and I registered the first domain and I set up a landing page for the website. And um, the, if you click on order, actually, I just programmed it to send me an email that there's an order from a customer. <laughs> and when these emails come, I, I, then, I then call the customer, I then give them my own personal account still, and they pay to my personal account. And then I contact the Indian company, then I transition the process. And I do remember there was a tool um, payment service called Eagle at the time. Um, so I was using Eagle to kind of settle payments for them at the Indian company that was doing the administration for me and all that. It was really cumbersome. Um, I can't even explain it very well right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've gone past that stage. But um, the, the good thing was um, I was able to identify the need um, in the market um, and then I was able to validate my idea that there's a, there's a possibility of getting people who are willing to pay for the service. Then I went on to building. Uh, I do remember I started building from that email form, form, form to email kind of ordering system, to form to spreadsheets. And then I remember using a tool called Account Labs or something like that. It was an accounting tool. And then I started integrating the request from customers to that. And by the time I hit 100 customers, I knew that this was, this was a business, you know. So um, I then registered the company, and then I proceeded with building a, a whole f billing system and the website improved on it and all that. And then that's how I kept on going and going. So, yeah, it was a learning curve for me for Lean Startup. And um, I recommend that to every startup um, founder to no matter what level you are i mean experience i mean even if you're experienced it's good to always pass through your idea through the lean startup methodology yeah and and um you you got your first acquisition deal in 2007 how did that happen 
I mean, were you still building the web hosting company? Or what led to the acquisition? If you can just share that story with us. Um, so prior to, to Gigalea, um, my company was called AimTech. And um, I was building multiple, I was just looking at problems and building solutions, right? So aside from the hosting business, I, I started working on um, some, some basic ideas that I pick up from online and I see people's needs and I started creating solutions for them. Um, one of which was uh, at the time, Facebook was one of the fastest growing social media network. Um, it was already um, surpassing uh, MySpace, MySpace and Twitter was coming up and was also doing well. The new trend was um, Timeline. And um, I do remember talking to um, the largest forum in Nigeria, which was Nairaland, sharing to see how we could um, collaborate and do something um, to build Timeline kind of for the social media um, in Nigeria. And we started working, though. Um, at some point, I think the idea wasn't so clear to him or something. We didn't get, get along well. So I, I started... Um, building something on the side to just prove my concept, right? Hmm. And I built something called Yanable. It's a um, combination of social networking and um, messaging service like Twitter. So what I did was a kind of a merger of Facebook and Twitter into one app. And that app was um, creating um, discussion boards that are 140 characters at the time, limited. Um, and then you can create a thread and people can join the thread, different areas, angles um, in, in, for example, development programming, or you could do in marketing, or you could do in education or science and, and different boards. And you can actually create as much boards as possible. And it was, um, it was a very um, good moment for me because uh, at the time, Twitter and Facebook were just releasing their API. So what I did was I quickly grabbed those APIs and plugged them into the Yannable platform, meaning if you're on Yannable, you didn't need to go to Twitter. <laughs> so if you write your Yans and you create a thread and people are joining, people on Twitter can also participate or you can make your Yans move into Twitter. So it was a cross-border oh. platform kind of a oh, thing. Oh, I see. And it got adoption, really. It was loved and uh, most of prominent people in Nigeria and even abroad, it got covered by U.S. Um, tech um, blog uh, and it got a lot of um, attention for I, I remember Benga Sison was one of the early users and was really impressed with it I have um, um, a number of people really that were enjoying the service and I was consistently building it um, so what I missed it was a very brilliant and nice idea and it really worked out well people loved it but I didn't understand the concept of making money then <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's one thing to build a service that is great. And it's another thing to build a service that is uh, profitable and uh, sustainable. Mm. Yeah, um, so for me, today, I always categorize them into two categories, need-to-haves and um, want-to-haves. Um, so if the service is uh, oh, nice-to-have, really, not even need-to-have. Need-to-have and nice-to-have. So... Um, that service was today I can categorize it onto a nice to have because it was fun, it was everything, but I mean, nobody is willing to pay for it. Yeah. 
And um, I couldn't really push. I didn't understand the concept of advertising to generate revenue, um, which even Facebook at the time couldn't um, figure couldn't out. Break, yeah, they couldn't figure that out too. So it was a really a tug of war for me to maintain the balance of the service. It was needing virtual servers to run the application. It's getting cluttered and load and all those things. I couldn't even run on shared hosting anymore. So, so like how many users were you able to grow to? I, th- I think a number of thousands. I can't really remember right okay. now. Um, but there was one aspect of the service that was doing so well. So um, at that time, Bitly was uh, at the early stage too, and I picked the idea of Bitly. So I integrated into the Yannable platform. And instead of using um, their API, I wanted to build something. I was trying something on, on URL shortening. And it was fortunate that um, that tool was my. It was fortunate that that tool was my very first um, 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 URL shortening service in in Africa at the time. Uh, so, they uh, I created that on top of the Yannable platform that it will generate um, short links when you add the links to ensure that they they, they fit into the one hundred and forty characters conversations. And that also um, showed um, massive potential. I was able to do tracking, links tracking, clicks, where people are coming from, what kind of browser they were using. All those things, um, cookies, right? Those things were not a big deal today. I mean, if you track people like that today, it's got to be GDPR (laughs) (laughs) issues, right? So I was literally building things regarding um, tracking and all that. And it was interesting. So I pulled the service out and I built it as a standalone service. And I called it Yanmi, which was a URL short. Now, YRN on Amy at the time. It shot, I shut it down, though. But um, that URL short now, before I shut down, did over 5 million hits. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, it was, it was doing very well. Um, hundreds of thousands of links were shortened. When I opened it up, and I built an API for it, um, where if you have any blog or any service and you want to integrate shortening that will return... Um, statistics for you, you could actually just integrate and you didn't need to build anything. Just integrate cool. and it will take the links, shorten them, and you can at any time query your links for statistics. So it was good. Um, I also need to generate revenue for it, but at the time I was getting really overwhelmed with everything. So I sold Yannable. Um, that was my very first acquisition, which was in 2010. Was actually. it to a local company in Nigeria? Yeah. Yeah, local company in Abuja. Yeah. Um, they they were interested in the service because it was interesting and they figured out some deal with, I think, Nokia at the time. They wanted to embed it as a mobile app into every okay. Nokia device that ships to Nigeria. And um, they wanted to make it a very good um, um, platform for communication um, in the country. Um I don't know what happened, but we all know that even today, Nokia is still struggling too. So they too couldn't um, take it to the next level. And um, I think they also shut down after two years or three years of operation. Um, well, you were, so, but you were able to cash out anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me, for me I, I, it was overwhelming and I just needed some funds to move on to the next thing. And I thought my next thing was the URL shortener, actually. Okay. Um, because of the hits it made over 5 million hits, I was generating a lot of data that was interesting and I could continue to to expand on the data that I was gathering. 
But also that was overwhelming at some point. I figured that that's also not going to generate revenue, right? Um, but Bitly was doing well. I mean, they they were getting people paying um, yeah. top figures for their service. Um, I wanted to do the same. I sampled some of the people using it. Would you be happy to pay? And most of them were like, no, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I even sampled with some figures like, um, affordable like $1 a year kind of thing or $10 a year which one would like they were not willing to pay at all for the service so I just figured that if I pour funds into that and things might still go south you know so yeah, I just uh, at some point I, I rendered it stilt mode like you can continue to use the service but you can't sign up again and, okay. um, yeah so I kept it like that for a while for almost 3 years 4 years it was in stilt mode and it was declining gradually until it gets to the flat area where I can just shut it down. Nobody's yeah. going to complain about it. So, yeah, so that was what I did. And oh. after that, that was um, when I started looking at the hosting business, which was the very early stage of my problem, right? And I saw that um, people were still having that problem with the hosting. Um, this time around... So, what, were you building the hosting simultaneously with the Yanni? Yeah. Was everything... Was... Okay. Honestly, I was a ninja. <laughs> I, <like that. laughs> I was building Yannable on the side. I was building Yanmi on the side. I had um, AIM Tech running for the hosting service on the side. And not just those. I was even building a game, online game at the time. I was building a lot of things. I was just trying to figure out what works. Right? A lot of experimentation. Yeah, right? lots of experimentation and... Uh, um, it was a lot of learning curve. And I was young then, you know, young and trendy. I could kill my nights um, coding and figuring out things. Uh, not now with the family, you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't be <really laughs> doing that anymore. <laughs> so um, that's uh, how my early days started. And then I looked at the hosting business and I see that there's still room for, for growth and there's still even enterprise level needs for the hosting solution and they're willing to pay and right from the entry level to the advanced level, everyone is willing to pay. To pay. Yeah. And it's a subscription service, and it's something that people are willing to continue to expand and grow on top of and continue to pay for. And I just I just um, kind of, it was a no-brainer, really. Let me just put it that way. It was a no-brainer that that's what I need to focus on. <laughs> and the revenue is predictable, right? Yes, exactly. Because it's subscription-based. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So how were you able to grow this? Uh, you have over 12,000 clients. I don't know. Maybe your numbers are probably higher than that now. So how were you able to grow? What was the growth like uh, for you? Because there are other hosting companies too in the country. How were you able to distinct yourself? And uh, of course, there are challenges. So what 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 were some of the biggest issues you faced while building this? Um, I think my, my very first problem was hiring. Um, mm -hmm. when, I, when I started building, I was okay. I could code anything I want. I could do whatever I want. And I was doing almost um, jack of all trade, you know. I traded everything. I did everything. Like, I could answer calls. I could do the support. I could do the development. I do the everything. Like, I could do anything and everything. Um, but as, as I started getting growth and number of customers started growing, I needed hands. And one of my difficult challenges was finding the right hand. So um, it was my very first um, difficulty. 
Then second was I thought I needed funding, right? And um, I, I actually, it was, till today, I always tell everyone that fundraising, it's a, it's a whole new job. <laughs> <laughs> you need like a, uh, a CFO, chief fundraising officer, right? <laughs> honestly speaking, honestly speaking, no founder or CEO should run into fundraising unless he is really ready for that. And you can actually assign enough time for that because it's time consuming it's it's boring it's a boring process mm. and very time consuming in fact for me i was i i just i had to just back out at some point you know um i do remember that i i i i did my time sheet with some people almost closed some deals but um at some point it just couldn't fly some people some 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 funding may not close some would close with you some would it was it was really, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it was really hard. Um, and at some point, what I decided to do was like, oh, heck, let me just go build this thing. Let me just go focus on building this thing. And um, I remember there was an article I read online. Um, it really pushed my, my, um, my interest in, in getting, in using my funds to, to, to run to run my company, right? And it was written by Basecamp. I think, um, yeah, there's an article they wrote um, called Bootstrap and, and Proud. Bootstrap, uh, Profitable and Proud or something. And I looked at, I think they had a list of about 20 to 30 companies around the world that were able to, to build companies, top companies that um, never raised any funding. And that that got me curious, right? Like, do we really need need VCs? Do we really need seed and angels to really run? Can we can we liquidate our own assets and um, put our savings at risk? You know, put our life savings on on the on the line. You know, for the business. And I figured that if if a founder uh, um, believes in the idea and he has done enough research and he has done enough. Um, um, validation he should be able to risk not just his 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 monetary capital and things he could risk his life <laughs> <laughs> That's how deep it is. yeah jeff Bezos just uh joined the trip to his company right the yeah to the space right that's how um elon musk did the same thing with 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 um with spacex, SpaceX. right SpaceX. Yeah. he put all his all his savings into it um I think um, it was it was an aha moment for me also that I was able to to say okay, let me put all my savings and that's exactly what I did. Put all my savings into the business and I focused on building it. And I had uh, started looking at the right people to hire and started hiring and started growth. And I said one thing to myself, which still stands, but we are working towards uh, breaking all that. Um, I've said if I'm building a good product, I don't need to market it, it will market itself. And if my product cannot market itself, it's not good enough. So I stood, I stood with that for many years, actually, um, to ensure that, in fact, at some point, we did a survey with all our customers and over 80-something percent of them rated us as um, they are happy with the service, extremely happy with the service and willing to refer other customers to us. I also did some tracking to ensure that how do we grow? And I, I 
our biggest channel has always been word of mouth, a customer referring another customer and another customer referring another one. So that's how we've grown to where we are today. All the 13,000 customers we have, um, getting closer to 15,000 now, um, we've grown um, through word of mouth. Um, we've never had any billboards, any mass marketing, any advertising, things like that. You don't see that of Gigale anywhere, right? So um, that worked, and I feel it's still a great way to build a company. Right? Till, the, till today, I still believe the same. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think that's, that's a great one. Uh, another perspective or another way to see that is uh, some, I think, advantage so to say because you built something you sold something you you have some savings and um there are quite a lot of people <laughs> that don't have all these all right uh mm-hmm. for example mm-hmm. we know uh a lot of people are unemployed right so people go to entrepreneurship uh not because they see opportunities so to say most people go because there are opportunities other goals because or that go into entrepreneurship or startup because they just want to make money, right? Because there mm. is no job. Okay, what can I do? Let me start a business. Hey, startup sounds interesting. It's funky. Okay, let me do that. All right? And that's part of the thing that is driving them. All right, they might have beautiful solutions that they are building, but not necessarily have, like, the funds uh, that can help them scale. All right. Uh, so in that case, they will be positioned to look for investors' money to actually scale. Uh, so, so I think it's uh, it depends on on the perspective and and the position where the yeah. startup founder yeah. finds uh, him or herself at that yeah, particular for, time. Yeah, for me, I think I think I have I I come from a school of thought that um, there's no right and wrong about it, right? Um. There's just preference and what you think is best for your business or what you're doing. Um, so I, I once was on a panel on a, on a show that there was this conversation of um, um, whether fundraising is a necessity or not, whether um, businesses have to raise, should go and raise money or they should go and build. And the, the, the answer to that is always, like you said, I had some advantages. Yeah, I had savings. And by the way, I also worked, right? I worked and I had, I worked for almost three years before pulling out to, to focus on the business. And most of the time I was working, it was mostly savings rather. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a thing that you have to really build your own path, um, identify your path, define how it's going to work out and then go for it. For some, it's best to just um, pick up the idea, make sure that it's, you do the validation and you go raise the funds from other people who can also give you, um, in my own case, what I wanted with investors was mostly to get another thought, um, another opinion in the business, another guidance. So I didn't want just money from my investors. And f- I, I recommend the same for, for people, right? It shouldn't be just the money alone. Right, you should you should put people in your business that can see the business succeed, not just give money for the business. So, um, it's a it's a um, subjective kind of a thing. So, subject to what what you're doing, that it will define what's the right thing to do and what's not right to do. 
yeah, yeah. So someone called that smart money. That I'm looking for smart money, not just money. <laughs> you know, yes. that means an investor that can come in, you know, and help with some strategic decision or help in some strategic introduction to to move the company to the next level. And exactly. uh, another very startup story uh, was, I think, Mailchimp. I think they sold for billions of dollars recently, and they never raised the cobble as well. GitHub did the same, if I'm correct. Um, there's this company that does themes, Ivato. Um, they do themes, right? Yeah, Ivato. Ivato uh, yeah. is another very good example of, of companies that um, um, were bootstrapped to, to a lot of big big cash yeah so um it's possible and we've also seen where people raise money and they make the impossible possible right just by fundraising so either ways it's both works yeah both works amazing thank thanks for sharing that uh so tell us about your work in terms of building the ecosystem uh uh, in the north, uh, you're in Sokoto right now. You you help build the startup ecosystem. Well, what do you think can be done? And tell us about some of the things you've done to to help thrive or make the ecosystem more visible on the map. Yeah, so um, I've been working not just for Sokoto. Um, I've been to most areas uh, in the east and uh, in the north here too. Um, uh, uh, Sokoto, for example, I'm a member of startup Sokoto and also an advisor to the team. Um, they have also Califet Tech community, which they are working on, on a number of ideas and uh, business uh, um, strategies for improving the tech ecosystem in Sokoto State. And both groups I, I fully participate into. Um, and I've been to Abia State tech community as well. There's a hub there that I... I visit as often as I can. Um, I've been to Uyo. There's also a hub there that I participate into their programs and events and, and to support um, upcoming startup founders and all that. So I've been working really as much as I can all across. I've been to Joss as well, still the North rather. I've been in Lagos too. I've been doing my best where I can, how I can. Um, so it's a continuous um, journey, I believe. And we all have to hold hands to get there, like um, um, support the ones that uh, need support, push the ones that need pushing, advise the ones who are going off the lane, and eventually we all get to the green land yeah. together. That, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. So tell us about where you see Giga Lea, yeah, in the next couple of years. I think you've also done some acquisition as well. Gigalia, you acquired some other companies uh, doing web hosting, if I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about that and tell us about your plans for the future. Uh, where do you see Gigalia five, ten years down the line? And uh, what would you like to also tell us as we round off? Okay. Um, so we've done acquisitions um, in, in both ways. Uh, um, mergers, uh, standalone acquisitions, like for some companies, we just shut down most most of them. Okay. Um, yeah, we had we had parallel um, acquisitions that run for a few for for a while, um, and uh, uh, today we've, we've really we've really um, um, combined them into one as Gigalea. Um, the the largest we did recently is. Um, the Russian 
um, company that we acquired, Hub8, um, which was operating across Africa, Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa. And it, uh, it made us expand um, um, across borders, which was a good thing for us. We had to really re-strategize the entire operations and entire um, system to, to meet that, that uh, responsibility. So, and what we see right now in the future for GigaLayer is to um, be a reliable um, top brand for, for cloud solutions that um, enterprises, um, mid-range mid businesses, and even early-stage startup founders can rely on for their um, cloud solutions, um, internet uh, solutions like domain names, um, email solutions, um, virtual servers, dedicated servers. And this is what we've been doing for years now. Um, and it's been great for the companies that we've been serving. Thank you. Mad for for being on the show. It's, I mean, it's great to have you on the show. I just learned more about what you're doing, Gigalia, how you started. Uh, thank you once again for being on the show today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Kolabo. I really love this show, and um, I, I I want to add one more comment. All like right, I'm a, I'm a subscriber, and uh, I really like speakers you bring in on board, and I really look forward to hearing more from um, um, entrepreneurs like me. Um, I learn. I learn every day, and I recommend this um, podcast for every entrepreneur um, in Africa and the world at large. Really, um, there's a lot to learn from each other. There's a lot to. Sometimes, um, this morning I was having a conversation at home here. Let me just use that as a closing thing. Sometimes you may have um, an opinion of something, but it's always based on your experience that that opinion. Um, kind of define itself so for example if if we hear that someone is coming into a room it is your relationship with that person or how you picture that person that would um, that would that would surface your thinking so someone would think oh he's coming with all his uh, distractions or someone would say he's coming with a lot of luggage and baggage and things or somebody would say oh he's going to come with a lot of nice stories so it, it all depends on how your experience is that determines what you see but if you work with others, it gives you the opportunity to see from another perspective. Um, like, for example, we just discussed this fundraising thing. Perhaps another entrepreneur tomorrow comes in and, and it's totally a new perspective other than what I'm thinking. You know, yeah, it's, 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 it's a learning curve for everyone. So let's keep sharing. Let's keep having these discussions. And um, um, let's go. Keep it up. Collaborate. Thank you, Ahmad. Thank you for those nice words. And thank you for being on the show. Uh, this will probably be the part one of the podcast that you're the show you're coming on. So it'd be great to have you once again, maybe months, years down the line. Thank you, Ahmed, once again. You know. It's it's a pleasure again. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. And you guys can check check out Gigali, amazing service. Uh, thank you once again for listening, uh, everyone, for being on the show with us too now if you enjoyed this episode feel free to share with your friends uh, and keep the great reviews coming thank you very much and see you guys next time